What's up, everyone, and welcome into episode number 112, where it is my honor and privilege to introduce a special guest joining this episode, and that is Oakland's men's basketball coach, Coach Campy. How are you doing, Coach Campy? I'm doing good, really good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for taking your time to join the podcast. One thing I do want to say is congratulations on being now the longest tenured head coach in Division One men's basketball. So congratulations on that. I don't know if that's a congratulations or not. I think it just means I'm old, you know, getting really old. Yeah. So how does it kind of feel being the longest tenured coach, especially now that coaches like Coach K and Coach Beheim retired, and you also have Coach Izzo and Coach Fio a couple of years behind you. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a good group of people to be associated with. You know, it, I'd rather be associated with how many NCAA tournament wins they have, but um, that's not going to happen. So just to be in the same name with them is that's kind of a cool thing. But again, it this that's not something that you. You know, that's not like a goal in life to be that. It's kind of just something that happened. And uh, the the positive side, side of it is I've been able to survive in a business that's hard to survive in. So uh, I got to look from a positive viewpoint. That's the way you have to look at it. And so because you've been around coaching for a while, can you kind of talk a little bit about how the college game has changed throughout your coaching career and how you you've kind of changed with it through adapting through the introduction of the transfer portal and many different other aspects that is changing as well as time has gone on well this i'm starting my 46th year uh in college basketball it'll be my 40th as a head coach after six years as an assistant and i've seen tremendous change um, through the times right now, I believe is a very pivotal time for college athletics. And, you know, the early years of this, the changes are based rule changes on how the game has changed. And then the, the, you know, life changes. And so parents change and the way you're brought up changes and your values and and things like that change. So you, you see kids and how they change as the time goes on, how, how you coach a kid in 1984 when I first started versus how you coach a kid in 2024 is not even in the same ballpark. It's completely different. And so those changes uh, are slow and methodical changes, and you as a coach have to adapt or you fall to the wayside. Um, what's going on now is kind of a revolution uh, in, in sports. And it's a revolution f- fueled by what's best for me and money. And student athletes now becoming in, in their minds professionals and wanting a share of the money that college basketball or college football or college sports creates. The problem is that the college football and college sports, the money they create are, is not does not creep into all sports. It doesn't creep into volleyball or softball. Or, so equity is going to be a very difficult thing for us to maneuver through as administrators and as the college game evolves into this new thought and idea. So it's a very 
turbulent time and and it, there's going to take a lot of people a lot of coming together with the student athletes and, and administrators to figure this out that was a long answer <laughs> absolutely and i definitely think people have different opinions on that depending on like the coach you ask depending on the players depending on even the broadcasters and you had a chance on Wednesday, I believe to moderate the state of athletics where you had the chance to talk to coach Izzo, Jay Billis, Blake Corum, all great. Well, Blake Corum's a great athlete. Coach Izzo is, I think if you have to say is probably a legend. Jay Billis is amazing at his job. So they probably all had a different opinion on things like NIL, the transfer portal, they had probably some very interesting things to say. So can you kind of talk about what it was like modern that say of athletics and how maybe they each had different opinions on it? Because we've seen Coach Izzo have concerns about the transfer portal. And then you also have an athlete like Blake Corum that's probably making quite a bit of money through NIL. So you have kind of two different positions of an athlete compared to a coach yeah it was a really cool event and and i think what we found out after the event that you know one i i tried to get as you just said i tried to get both sides of the argument and then with blake quorum a a well-known personality a guy who was on his way to winning a heisman trophy when he got injured his team on its way to winning a national championship when he got injured and then a decision instead now you know going pro would have been a sure thing for him but now he's he's injured he didn't get to finish the season his stock in the draft dropped so what was behind his decision making to go back to mission did he go into the portal to find out what his value monetarily was uh did he stay because he knew that he was making more nil money uh, than he would have made as a third, fourth, or fifth round pick. So it was a really interesting conversation to have one of the greatest coaches. Uh, the, and Jay Billis, not only is he really good at what he does, he's a lawyer and very intelligent man. He also um, is a big proponent of student rights. And he's kind of the guy that kind of pushed this uh, NIL legislation and that. So it was a tremendous panel. And it was a great conversation. It, we, we went about two and a half hours and it was a little, it got contentious at time because it's an emotional uh, conversation. But I think all four of us walked away from there that night. One, we walked away with a tremendous respect for Blake Corum. I mean, he, he made a friend of everybody that was in the building that night. He just just did a tremendous job of representing his view and his side and the intelligence that he talked with and uh, people just loved what he had to say. So I, I do think we everybody walked away with more of a common ground. And I think what it showed is if we can get everybody in the same room, maybe we can help figure out some of the problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of like the key aspect of this kind of discussion with NIL with transfer portal is I think you have to include both sides on it you have to include the athlete on it because there's some people that might be like oh he's transferred a couple of times he just doesn't seem like he wants to play at this school he's not getting an opportunity so he leaves again well there could be different circumstances that's going on so I think it has to be something 
where you have to get both sides, the players and the coaches, to come down and say, hey, why is this actually happening? How can we resolve this so that it's better for the athletes and the coaches as well? Because I feel like while there's some circumstances, the players are leaving for different opportunities, for maybe going closer to home, but there's other circumstances like Coach Izzo's and other coaches as well has pointed out that they're leaving because they don't. They might not want to stick around, or they didn't get the chance the freshman year that they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that this generation is running from adversity. They've been bubble wrapped uh, their whole lives. As soon as they show, when I'm talking in the sport of basketball now. As soon as they show any ability that they could have a chance to be a really good player, um, whether they are going to be or not, is you know they're they're latched on too early in their basketball lives and they're they're shepherded through a trail of trying to become an NBA player and make millions of dollars. There's nothing wrong with the philosophical thought of that. Uh, I'm not criticizing that thought at all because I think that, you know, there are m- many young men that become professionals and in all walks of life and make, make a lot of money. And, and that's a great goal to have as a young man growing up. Um, but the problem is, is that people are, are latching on to them, wrapping them in bubble wrap so that they don't experience anything negative. And that there's no, no way in my view at my age, I guess it's showing my age that, if you don't have adversity in life, if you don't fail, it's very hard to learn and become able to overcome adversity. And I don't care who you are in your life, you're going to have adversity, whether it's with your family, your wife, your kids, as you grow through life, uh, co-workers, things like that. And if you don't know how to navigate that water eventually you're going to fail and that's what you're seeing when kids as soon as they get to college as freshmen they're not happy because they were the superstar and now they're just a role player they want to leave I mean when you're the when you're the starting guard at North Carolina making money playing on you know one of the bluest blue bloods of of the you know there ever was how do you go in the transfer portal you know which happened this year and, and this, you know, the starting center at Duke or something. I mean, how do these kids, it's hard for me who has gone through this for 46 years to, to, to comprehend this. And so I have a lot to learn too. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely agree with the adversity point that you're talking about how there's some players that aren't going to want to go through that adversity and they look for greener pastures. And sometimes those greener pastures are not even there. And I think that's kind of where we get to the whole argument of, hey, maybe the transfer portal isn't the greatest thing in the world because it's not allowing people to go through those hard times. And one of the probably loudest critics of the transfer portal and someone that's used the transfer portal as well is probably Coach Izzo's. So what are like your kind of thoughts overall on the transfer portal? Because you've used it as well throughout the last couple of years, but it's also probably extremely difficult because it's probably made you coach all year long because players can leave your program at any time as well. 
Oh yeah, it's it's like I said, it's 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 revolution time. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's it's a time that you know we've never seen before. And basically, what you can sit there and fight it and try and change it, or you can accept it, be part of it, and now try and try and straighten it out. And that's the kind of the angle I've tried to take is, you know, when it first happened, I kind of was angry and fought it and said a couple things. And, and now I've, I want to continue to coach, you know, Jay Wright, one of the most successful coaches in the game said, screw it. I'm not, not going to do this. And he went on, he, he quit coaching and went into the broadcasting side of it. Um, you know, and there are a lot of coaches in my generation that are giving it up and, you know, I'm not going to do that because I just, it's, it's what I've done my whole life and I want to keep doing it until it's time not to anymore. So I have to adjust and adapt. Um, so, you know, we're trying to, and, and I've talked to Izzo about it, you know, not just at this thing, but privately we talk about it. And uh, the, the biggest problem, you know, the biggest problem with it is commitment and are you know, what are we teaching? And, and, you know, when a kid leaves, he, he, he's affecting the other players on the team. He's affecting the school he was at. Just like later in life, if you decide that you're in a marriage and you decide to leave it for whatever reason you leave it, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're affecting everybody that was a part of it, all the family, the kids and everything. And I'm not saying that shouldn't happen but there is a cause of effect to everything and trying to, you know, rope that in now because it's just become, it, it it's become chaos and we, we've got to find a way to allow movement and yet not have the chaos. And that's what we need to do right now. And discussions like we had the other night, I think are really beneficial in helping to find solutions. I completely agree. And I think your answer really transitions well into my next question. And it's kind of about you and Coach Izzo, because you and Coach Izzo has played each other every single year for a long time. Um, it seems like you have a you guys have a special relationship. Um, so can you kind of talk about that relationship between you and Coach Izzo and how that also has grown through a relationship between Oakland and MSU with you guys playing every year against each other. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we're similar age. Uh, We've kind of had a similar trajectory into the coaching career. In other words, I was an assistant for six years. Uh, I got the Oakland job and I've been there 40 years now and just stayed there. It's in Michigan. Tom was from the upper peninsula. He got the, you know, entry level position, Michigan state became an assistant has been there forever. Um, you know, he, he then became the head coach. Like he didn't leave like I did to become a head coach. He got it there. And so we've, you know, we've known each other from the recruiting trails, from just being in the same state for so long. Um, we've sat at lunches and in bleachers and, uh, you know, and then as we got to know each other, there's conversations, you know, phone calls about, 
you know, the, the various things that are going on in the business. And every once in a while, there's a phone call about how you doing, man. You know, you had a tough loss or something like that. And, and over, you know, the 40 years of that, your friendship grows. And I respect him. Um, it's an unbelievable respect that I have for him. Uh, I think he's the best coach in college basketball. I think he's a great person, a great human being. And I think he has all the buttons in him are the right buttons. And what I mean by that is his compassion for his players, his compassion for his university, his compassion for the game of basketball. He and I are like-minded and we think alike, and that's why we forged a friendship. Now, I'm 0-21 against him, <laughs> but we're going to keep playing him. <laughs> Hey, you know what? You you might you might eventually get get that one one or two or three or four before the end of your career. But one of the things that was pretty awesome to see this year was um, Coach Izzo walk out, walking out wearing an ugly sweater um, between the game of you between the two of you and probably one of the greatest pitchers and probably coach Izzo's career is him getting extremely upset in an elf, um, in an elf sweater. So can you kind of talk about what it was like trying to convince coach Izzo to actually wear an ugly sweater? And did you actually think he would, or were you kind of surprised when you saw him actually participating in um, wearing the ugly sweater that you were as well? Yeah, he became the angry elf on national media. He got a technical foul in it. And so yeah, it was, that was pretty awesome, actually. So basically, I have done the ugly Christmas sweater before. And uh, it actually got a lot of, uh, the, the first time I did it, it, it got way too much media. You know, I, it was on uh, Pardon the Interruption, and it was on Around the Horn, and it was on all those ESPN shows. And after I did it, I thought, oh, boy, I, you know, this I, I wasn't asking for this kind of stuff. We had a we had an ugly Christmas sweater night for the game. And somebody asked me, would you join in because the fans would love it? So I did it. So that thing blew up. So it's been a few years since that happened. So we're getting ready to play Michigan State just before Christmas. And we're talking. I said, hey, I want to change your image. He goes, what do you mean? I go, we're going to wear ugly Christmas sweaters because people will that will completely change your image you know people will see that you have a uh, that you, you'll you'll be willing to joke and that you have a you know a, a different uh, view of things from the way people look at you he goes ah, i'm not gonna do that i go come on we're gonna do this we'll do it together uh you know if you don't like it change at halftime but uh let's do this he's so he said okay and then a couple nights before the game, I just sent him a text saying, I, I picked mine out. I hope you have yours. And he didn't answer. So I, oh boy. So I, I brought, uh, I brought a, another set of clothes just in case when I got ready to go out, he wasn't, <laughs> you know, he wasn't going to do it. But uh, his was actually cool as hell. That, that elf was, a real, and it was green, you know. I wore the green Grinch. Because I, I was going to say if we won the game, I was going to tell all the little who's in Spartanville that, you know, <laughs> I was gonna, you guys were going to go home, home mad. But, uh, yeah, it was really cool to see him do it. And and I think the whole world got a different perspective of him that day. I, you know, I, I think they saw that he has a sense of humor and a, and a funny side to him to, to do that. So I think that was really cool. 
Yeah, and I definitely do think a lot of people got a different view. And then, of course, coaches will get to technical, and now it's all about angry elf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was – wow. I don't think there's ever been an Oakland-Michigan State game where one of the coaches didn't get a technical. So Hey, you know what? That's just a, that's just a part of the game. One of you guys have to get a technical. So this <laughs> year it was um, Coach Izzo. Yeah. <laughs> so – Going coming down to like the last question, um, whenever you decide to call it a coaching career, what do you hope fans and especially your players, like former players, current players, what do you hope that they remember from your time at Oakland? Well, I think that the the big piece of that would be that I hope that my former players knew and understood how much I cared about them and that all the things that I did that were to help them grow and mature as a young man so that they could have a successful life and that they look back at their time at Oakland and they said, you know, this, this was a meaningful transition period in my life that I went from boy to man and that the coach there really helped me do that. He cared about me and he wanted me to be successful in life. And that's, and I've coached over 200 kids and I, I know there's going to be some that aren't going to feel that way, but I'm hoping for the majority, <laughs> even though I, in my heart, I tried to do it to every one of them. Um, as far as the school is concerned, I hope that the, the fan base and the administration and the people know that I built a career around a, a school I stayed and was loyal and I hopefully, you know, put the program at the players and all that first over everything else. And that, you know, it was, it's a successful image and, and it represented Oakland university, the way that the administration, the president and all the people that love Oakland and founded Oakland would want it to be represented how it would want it to be represented and i think you've done an absolutely amazing job at that i think oakland is very grateful and thankful to have a coach like you that's been around for so long that's been successful that i think definitely has impacted hundreds of players lives probably fans as well so i really do hope that you continue to coach for a while longer it's great for oakland it's great for the state of michigan and it's great for the game of basketball because we need more coaches like you more coaches like coach Izzo. we need um you guys to stick around so hopefully you have at least a little while longer um hopefully you can maybe even get to 50 years i, I don't know your plan but hopefully you <laughs> stick around quite a bit longer because i think you're doing great things over at oakland well, that's very nice of you to say. I appreciate it. And I just got to get through this year, though. You know, the, like I said, it's a revolution right now. And I want to be on the right side of it and figure it all out. So it should be very interesting times. And I'm looking forward to the next couple of years. Awesome. And like I said, thank you again for taking your time. I wish you and your team nothing but the best going forward. I hope you guys have a great year next year. And, um, Good luck with your future. Uh, thanks so much. Absolutely. And that is a wrap to episode 112. Thank you again to Coach Campy for joining the podcast. It was awesome to talk with him and best of luck in the future.